Hey, sweetheart, are you about ready to record? Uh, yeah, just uh, give me a second to set up the mic and... Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. Uh, yeah, I I certainly won't uh, bring a cloud. You almost finished? Hold your horses, I've got... I've got rhythm, I've got music, I've got my love who could ask for anything more. I've got daisies in green pastures, I've got my love who could ask for anything more. Huh, yeah, I'm definitely right here, dear. (laughs) Is, uh... Everything going okay? Touch me. It's so easy to leave me all alone with my memory of my days in the sun. If you touch me, you'll understand what happiness is. Look on. Wow, we, uh, we doing, we doing cats? Oh, wait, I know what's going on here. We're too close to talking about Weird War 3, which of course means we're starting to cross over with another Earth, one where you have to sing show tunes. Well, the only way to fix it, of course. What's the buzz? Tell me what's a happening. 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 Why should you want to know? Don't you mind about the future? Don't you try to think ahead? Save tomorrow for tomorrow. Talk about comics instead. Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our Patreon patron-requested episode covering Excalibur Weird War 3. That's right. This was requested by one Jason Large. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Who uh, ensured that we absolutely had to cover this by, uh, by, by giving us that Patreon coinage. We got money. We got money. <laughs> we got those, those Patreon bucks. <laughs> And readers, you too can make us talk about whatever whatever crossover or event that y- you choose just by, right. by heading on over to patreon.com. Right, and like in like signing up. You can't just like if you if you just click on Patreon, it's not uh, like did it, done. This explains a lot about other things I thought I was supporting. <laughs> I clicked on your Patreon. I thought that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, we actually have a ton of these. Like, we are probably going to be doing Patreon requests until at least like mid March, maybe even like April at this rate. We've, we, yeah, yeah, we have know. quite a few things lined up. I, I was know. setting up our our calendar, which <sighs> I love setting up calendars. Yeah, <laughs> but of course, if you don't want to donate at the level for choosing crossovers, you can donate at a the thank you level. Uh, I actually, real talk, if we got like a hundred one dollar donors, that would be amazing. Be like perfect. Those one dollar donors are like the lifeblood of a Patreon. I feel like this is a spiel that I have heard elsewhere, which leads me to believe it is in fact true. <laughs> <laughs> when does a lot of anecdotal evidence become actual evidence? A question for Chris, the scientist. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Weird War Three is our first. 
This might not really be a crossover. It's still just Excalibur, which is like a title. This is one of the Marvel graphic novels. However, there, as we get into it, it, it is crossover themed enough. Yes, it is. We'll take it. We'll is take what, it. Is what, we'll, we'll claim it all. Yeah. Just, just scoop, scoop all them, them edge comics into into the fold Are of we, crossover events. When we inevitably make our own cool comic company, will we call it Edge Comics? It's got to be a thing somewhere already, right? Yeah, probably. It's so like generic. Right? Like it it sounds like something in like a bad teen movie. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of like really like one-word comic companies. I mean, there's like Vault Comics right now. Right, right. They're they're like good. I'm pretty sure, like, the CEO of Edge Comics would be the villain in a teen superhero movie. Of Edge. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want the, uh, the bright, sweet comics. He wants, like, he wants, like, blood and guts. Uh, but he wants it a little bit too much. It yeah. come, it spreads into reality. <gasps> He's got a magic pen on accident. Okay. Well, now that, this is just the plot of, like, a middle school musical that, uh, I have definitely contemplated doing with the magic pen <laughs> that brings things to life. It's not- so we are we are really hitting the nail on the head for that that exact teen content. That teen content. We're gonna flip water bottles. <laughs> We're gonna dab. You're so close. <laughs> Teens like, don't even do that anymore. I'm no, sure. they don't. Do they not flip water bottles? Is water bottle flipping done? No, they don't. That was like three years they did that, and that's it. Yeah, it's 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 gone. It's, it's past. Gone. It's not cool. The only cool f- water bottle flip now is from you, you, is is from the. Uh, I think you should. I, I think, think you, you should, should leave. leave. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's done by an an aged man. Wow, we are getting in the weeds um, about water bottle flips and dabbing and teen superheroes. Well, speaking of weeds, <laughs> there's no way to transition that into the summary. So we should just go ahead. <laughs> yeah, summary. <laughs> Excalibur Weird War 3, written by Michael Higgins, penciled by Tom Morgan and Justin Time, the pseudonym of Chris Wozniak, inked by Joe Rubenstein and Tom Morgan, colored by Brad Van Cotta and Joe Rosas, lettered by Janice Chang, and edited by Kelly P. Corvus and Terry Cavanaugh. In a strange sequence of events, mutants are being led by literal Nazis into chambers where they are burnt alive and their psychic essences harvested for reasons. Anyway, this causes Rachel Summers, the Phoenix, to awake in terror at the Excalibur lighthouse, causing her teammates, Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, Captain Britain, and Megan, to come running. Rachel is starting to see her teammates as their counterparts from Earth-597, a place where Nazis took over completely, and thus the Excalibur equivalent, the Lightning Force, is also quite evil. This evil team had previously tangled with Excalibur, but were sent back to their home dimension. Anyway, Alistair Stewart from the Weird Happenings organization arrives and says Excalibur must register their mutant status before shouting, Heil Hitler! What the heck is going on? We flash to the Nazi version of Charles Xavier, the second in command of the Reich, as he is upset that the psychic executions don't seem to be working. He's trying to develop the X-Man, yet another stage in evolution. He collapses in pain as something stronger psychically approaches. Red Skull meets with a still-alive Adolf Hitler, and they agree that Xavier's plans must be stopped. Meanwhile, Xavier reaches out to call upon his lightning squad. As Excalibur meets Tribunal-style with the Prime Minister, who is not super into mutants, this call from Xavier starts to mess with their minds. They fight with the Nazi goons, but are quickly outclassed and surrender. They are turned over to the evil Moira McTaggart. Kitty decks her in the face, and the Nazi version of the X-Men, the Reichsmen, are called in to help. They tussle for a while until Moira tells the beaten-up Reichsmen to retreat, before revealing she is their reality's Moira in disguise. It turns out that Earth-597 and Earth-616 are experiencing a 
crossover, which is combining the corresponding peoples of the two Earths in strange ways. Moira's 616's mind is combined with Earth 597's body, etc. She sends them to stop Xavier, who is clearly most combined evilly. Red Skull meets with Xavier, and the two walk through Xavier's lab, where the original X-Men have had terrible things done to them. Red Skull finally tells Xavier that Hitler wants to meet with him, but we don't really find out what for, because Xavier dunks on Hitler for being old and then leaves, thinking he has all the power. Red Skull shows up and tells Hitler he's developed a way for the aging Nazi leader to be rejuvenated, and they plan to do just that. Excalibur goes undercover, sans Rachel, who is not a member of the Lightning Force in Earth-597, and then meet with Xavier. He, of course, is psychic and sees through their disguises and mind-blasts them. As this occurs, Red Skull begins rejuvenating Hitler, while also using his Nullatron to try to take control of Excalibur, making them beat up Xavier while being immune to his brain stuff. Now some really weird stuff happens. The Phoenix uses the minds of Excalibur as conduits, which fries Xavier and Red Skull's brains, and Hitler de-ages into a kid, then a baby, then nothingness. The Earths separate, and it turns out they had fused due to the psychic energy of Xavier's victims fusing with the Phoenix. The psychic energy from Xavier, all of his victims, coalesce into some strange psychic guardian, which will never be followed up on ever again. The end. You seem you seem a little miffed there at this thread left hanging. He becomes like a guardian of the earth. He looks like Mr. Clean floating around in space looking at the earth. He also looks like Xavier, so it's basically like is it the actual victims or is it like he the Nazi sees one? sees you when you're sleeping. <laughs> psychic psychic Xavier guardian watches you pee. <laughs> no. No. I don't know. It's very strange. He can watch me brush my teeth, but I draw my line at the toilet. (laughs) (coughs) I'm sorry. You cannot come in here and watch me, Professor Xavier Guardian. Like, why did it look like him? He was evil. He was bad. Yeah, I don't. I, I am as mystified as you. Anyway, there's a little we need to we need to start start from the top. Begin at the beginning, because that's the very best place to start. I'm sorry, I really enjoyed that cold open. I uh, wrote it with you in mind. You were my muse. I could tell. (laughs) Anyway, what do you know about Excalibur? I know stuff because I've read a a fair amount of Excalibur. Excalibur's kind of weird. Well, I... I'm familiar with who the team of Excalibur was at the time. Mm-hmm. Like that Excalibur was a thing that exists, that they were in Britain. Uh, that's, that's around what I know. And like the Excalibur that I've read is like the currently coming out Excalibur, which is very different from this. Uh, in some ways. Yeah. But the, their whole deal is being like Britain's premier superhero team. They hang mm-hmm. on a lighthouse. Yes. They mostly go on weird, like mystic or like cross dimensional adventures this is sort of a follow-up to a story called the cross time caper which Mm -hmm. had a lot of going between universes and that was originally where the the lightning squad had come over onto our earth which is like the nazi version of all of these yes because we see the the, those costumes right that they they slip into yeah quite the look i mean if they're very reiki that that that's what i meant okay (laughs) without Without, without trying uh, explicitly saying it, they, yeah. I mean, it's- there's some real iffy stuff with Kitty too. Like the version of her from that other reality has like, like, uh, like imagine David like tattooed on her forehead, and she's like real emaciated, and almost seems like like she's like barely existing. Like she's being like, she's like fully like brainwashed in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have like hair or anything. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bunch. Excalibur maybe does, like, a little bit too much stuff with Nazis. Like, they're always bad guys. They just happen a lot. Hmm. I wonder why that would be, because this came out in, what year? Was this, 
late 90 something okay early Early 90s 90s, i think but in like the 80s i don't know excalibur tangled with a lot of nazis i mean nazis are are good bad guys but there are better bad guys to develop it's it's okay so this was in 1990 it's just odd because this follows up on on like a, a run that a story called the cross time caper that people can th- are generally considered to be cool, but to have like to go on for too long. So it feels mm-hmm. like, let, Hey, this went on for a while. Let's just pop this in there. It just seems like Michael Higgins, who was also like an editor, mm-hmm. like just really like, this was like something he's really wanted to do. The writing on this for me, the dialogue was really stilted really it was very like workman like like you know they were saying like phrases and words but like the the prose of it was not really no great. i don't feel like there were distinct personalities or no. yeah the way the team is written doesn't even feel cohesive as a team fair it there were words. There were words on this page. Yeah, there was also art on these pages. What did you think of the art? So once you said it, I couldn't unsee it. You mentioned as I was reading, like pointed at a specific panel, and you're like, "Doesn't that kind of look like a like a caricature art? Like you'd see it like a theme park." And then I I saw that on nearly every page, and I couldn't unsee it. Everybody had really lengthy faces. Yes, like thin lengthy big eyes pretty big eyes so yeah it felt kind of caricature e yeah red skull looked like darth vader he even had like a darth vader hat oh yep 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 like the the women with long hair all looked fairly similar yes there's a there's this bit so there's a there's this bit in in the middle to, to skip to the middle we've summarized it we can skip wherever we want where you see kind of the fate of the original five x-men yep we're like, Ooh. Uh, where they've got Bobby like taking off the top of Lorna's skull. Yeah, that was messed up. Didn't like that. Did not like that. But also, Jean Grey was like in a tube. But at first, I was like, "Is wait, why is this woman with green hair in a tube?" If it was Lorna, and I was like, "Oh, it's just the lighting's green." And this—that's who that was. I that was, was like, Jean "Who Grey. is this in the tube?" Because all of the women looked the Very same. Similar. So, and there was no red hair to identify her. And I was like, yep. oh, and Xavier put her there because she wouldn't, she wouldn't be romantic with him. Which is, so there was this like throwaway line in a really, really early issue of X-Men, like Stan and Jack X-Men, mm-hmm. where he's like, there's like a, something he thinks with like, but she could never love like a man in a wheelchair or something, which is a whole can of worms. Like in six different ways, but even after that, I feel like Stan was like, "No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna follow up on that." But people love to like remind us, "Hey, remember, remember in that issue that happened?" And nobody wants to remember that. We're good. We can move on, <laughs> pretend it never happened, because it basically didn't. It's in one panel, right? But it it comes up in this. It comes up in the onslaught saga later as like a main like point of the like. Professor Xavier can turn evil because look at this evil inside of him. He's creepy and gross. I'm like, why? 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 <laughs> oh. Like, yeah, I don't like it. It no. is literally like something that I feel like everybody in X fandom just chooses to ignore. Because it, it like it's it it's never followed up on in like story stuff. And it just it like he's already it's, like it's like it was an errant thought that probably shouldn't have been there and Right. And we just, we just don't want to address it. Like he sucks in other ways, but a lot of the ways that he kind of sucks are like interesting and compelling. Right. Where you're like, oh, this, like, he's a cool character to read about. Mm -hmm. But you're like, I can't get over and read about some guy like crushing on his student. That's no, yeah, that's no good. That's not good at all. And then totally unrelated, but I feel like it happens to Lockheed all the time. Like I understand he wasn't a member of the, the lightning. Squad. squad. Yep. So, but he just disappears like a third of the way into the issue and then we never see him again. Yeah, I mean, he's probably fine. I mean, yes, I know he's probably fine, but I get upset when writers don't take advantage of Lockheed. The fact that they have a small a small dragon. Right. Yeah. 
I feel like it's a missed opportunity every time. <laughs> every time. Why is Lockheed not on every panel? I mean, why does he disappear halfway through the issue? Why? And I mean, why did they bring him in in Secret Secret War just to Secret Wars just to have him, you know, disappear and then come back at the end? Like it, it happens to him. I don't know. I'm sorry. Use your dragon wisely. Don't we all just need to have have make good dragon decisions? <laughs> make better dragon decisions, please. So. You are maybe wondering, or not, why Rachel is not a member of Lightning Squad in this other universe. Um, I mean, I figured it had just something to do with Rachel in, in general, like in that universe not existing in the same way, or... I don't think this is this is always true, but it was supposed to be true. Rachel is like a universal constant. There is one of her. Oh, so if she exists in the 616, she can't exist in any other universe? So, yeah, it's it's the whole deal is any other incarnations of Rachel Summers that exist in parallel timelines are linked only by having the same name. But they're not like an actual... Oh, okay. So wouldn't have, like, the powers, the same powers, and definitely wouldn't have, like, the Phoenix Force. Right, which, which kind of seems like a cop-out, because it's saying, like, oh, well, if there's people in the other... They're not really her, they're just... They're just her with the same name. And I'm like, isn't that, isn't that true for everybody? <laughs> right. <laughs> but they, I, that, I thought that was a cool concept at the very least. Like you, she is, she is so her that she, she is only, she's the only one. That's pretty, that's pretty nice to just, you know, be the exception. It's actually, this whole thing with Rachel and the Phoenix is really frustrating because it was, cause well, when, when Claremont was writing X-Men, he definitely wanted it to like change. Mm hmm. And so there was this whole thing about Rachel becoming the Phoenix and actually like being good at it, whereas Jean was not. Right. And that was supposed to like kind of be it, and it it ended up being that way for a little bit, and the Phoenix went other places, and then Rachel was kind of forgotten as the, a Phoenix holder, even though she was literally called Phoenix for a while, like just existing in Excalibur with godlike powers. I think people don't always like to write people who are super powerful because they they think that. You can't write interesting stories that way. Well, that is un- unfortunate for for Rachel and the Phoenix. Yeah. But I mean, she seems pretty pretty on it in this this event. She is. She is the the doer of everything. The the rest of the team could almost not be there. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, don't know. Kitty puts her her fist in Xavier's head, right? But then he, like, then the Red Skull kind of like fries everybody's brains for a sec. The amount of brain frying that happened in like the last ten pages, I was like, okay, who's frying the brains now? Oh yeah, I didn't understand. I didn't and understand. I'm, I might have summarized it wrong, but the Nullitron is supposed to be like a mind control device. Mm. So he's like, oh, you thought Xavier was controlling your mind? Well, now I am controlling your mind. Your mind is controlled by me, so I will have you beat him up—a thing you were already doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole lot. I liked their fight with the with the Reichsmen, which this is the first appearance of the Reichsmen, which is the alternate X Men. Oh, so that wasn't in the cross time caper? No, it was just specifically the Excalibur ones. Mm. Yep. I like that Havoc is really trying to like pour on the energy on Captain Britain, and Captain Britain's like, Wow, if I wasn't like super powered and didn't have my cool suit, this would actually be doing something. <laughs> I'm just gonna let this happen for a while and then I'm gonna punch him. <laughs> That was a fun fight. It was probably my favorite fight of the issue. It was like the only fight of the issue, really. The rest were like brain fry. Yeah. My brain fried. Oh no, my bean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, my bean. (laughs) A thing that they said multiple times. That's what every superhero says when someone puts the psychic whammy on them. Oh no, my bean. Lockheed's like, mm, nah, they got this. I'm chilling with Moira. <laughs> I like that Moira's like, I suddenly appeared in this other me's body, but it's my brain. I thought I'd just play along until you guys got here. Yep. And they totally didn't get when they showed up and she was like, oh, good, Excalibur's here. Yeah, they didn't like they, immediately they put together. They missed that cue and were just like, nope, bad Moira, bad. And she still calls in somebody to beat them up for a while. I don't know. Does she call or do them they or did they? I up? think they just show up. 
they were just ready. They they like showed up like almost like like Super Sentai style, like right. Transform. Mm-hmm. Did somebody point punch Moira? I th- I can't remember if somebody punched. No, no, Moira. no. That wasn't that was oh. that was my me. Yeah. As. <laughs> Do you think she she like in a lot of uh, the eighty seventies and eighties had a relationship with Banshee? Did she have to like pretend to have a relationship with this Banshee? I don't want to think about it much more than this, but I do kind of wonder. I don't. I mean, how long was this really going on even before this point? Like, it seems like a like yeah. something that hadn't been right because it seemingly all happened at once. Right, just this collision and crossovering of right the Which universes something that was art that's what the cross time caper did why are we doing this again and, and in this whole like rapid change thing that is a um what am i thinking of um that's a real captain britain thing there's the the like alan moore run of captain britain has a powerful reality warping mutant called jim jaspers mm. who just like changes Britain to suddenly be totalitarian against mutants and like rounding them up. Like it just happens all at once. Oh. Like almost like a, oh, it's always been this way. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And so the, these, the, this is just, it's real rehashy. It's like, it's like if you were like refrying refried beans. Refrying them, they're already, okay. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> Thrice fried beans. <laughs> Three fried beans. I think three fried beans. I think at the end of this issue, everybody had thrice fried beans with all these. <laughs> my bean. My bean. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! I loved how that came around. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for for pointing out my my wordplay on the podcast. <laughs> it had to be appreciated. Yeah. By me, right now. Do you think it's interesting that Charles Xavier's dream was perverted instead of making the X-Men to make one single, like, Uberman called the X-Man? Which is not Nate Gray, who will show up later. I was like, we already got an X-Man, Charles. I do love that at some point in X-Men history, someone just went, what if... I just imagine, like, a whiteboard, and it just says X-Men, and someone walks up to the whiteboard, and they're like... And they erase the E, and everybody's like... And they write the A, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> Groundbreaking. Oh. And he becomes the X-Man. Kind of? like, But, like, he's... Is it is it just the energy of him? Because it's like, Earth has this new guardian, and I'm like, I don't want Earth to have this guardian. Right. This man was a Nazi. I don't want him to guard Earth. It, like, I'm... I cannot get it out of my craw. Like, it is jammed in there. Like, I am just trying to yank it out. That this, like, like, oh, uh, Phoenix shoots them all with, with rainbow beams. Care Bear stares them. It hits him. <laughs> it also hits the red skull. It, 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 it really fries his bean. His bean is, is cooked. And mm-hmm. then that's it for him. That's it for Xavier. Hitler turns into a baby and then into a, a pile of cells. Yes. And then nothing. Yes. And there, and then all the all the Xavier brain combines with some Phoenix power and turns into Mister Clean. Yep. And you kind of question, like, how did how does how does Xavier wind up in this position? Because clearly, like, mutants are very persecuted, but he's also looking for the next step in evolution with the X Man. Well, it's weird in that, like. That simultaneously, the the Nazis in the story have to think that mutants are somewhat less. Well, I don't know because they don't seem to have an issue. Well, the mutant thing is because Xavier wants it. I'm not actually certain if the Red Skull or no, no, they they there is some anti mutant bigotry. That's right. But like, I I don't know. Like it it just seems like simultaneously there's anti mutant bigotry. Mm-hmm. And also, like, mutants are the next step in evolution, and they're, like, a, an uberman. Right, and they're... mutants are, like, the tool of the state, like, as well. They're, like, these teams working for the state. Right. While, while the people in the streets are, like, let's kill them. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that, that yes, Xavier not only got to his position of power, but got to his position of power being what, like, being a mutant, and also wanting to make mutants better. Yeah. 
I never quite got a whole lot of indication like what he was doing for for Adolf Hitler in this, other than just I don't know. But he's like second in command. Yeah, how did he get there? That it makes very little sense. There's that wild scene where Hitler's like, "I wanted to talk to you," and Xavier's like, "You're old, and and I'm taking over." All right, bye. <laughs> and like, cool. Man, this this was just a real, it's a real humdinger. Was it? No. <laughs> It's just a real uh, shirt. It, it was 60 pages of comic book. I kind of liked the art at first. Like, I was like, oh, this is unique. And then I was like, oh, no, I don't like this. Yeah. No, I, I some of the coloring, I think, was kind of fun. Yeah, I kind of liked the colors. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean. I feel bad for the letterer who had to write all that out and go, oh, Jesus. This, okay. <laughs> This is what we're going with here. <laughs> this is, These are the words that, much, that can, they're that they're saying. Can I editorialize this? A little? <laughs> all right. Do we want to get into some Twitter questions? Yeah, we do have Twitter questions. Our first question comes from at Arthur Stacy. At what point does including Nazis as villains become ineffective as an active statement against their continued existence and maybe even serves to normalize the idea that fascism racism was, quote, conquered in World War II? Adam, this sounds like a pitch and a thing that you need to write about for CXF. They, they are definitely a shortcut villain. Yes. You do not have to establish any motives. We know. Right. And utilizing them, especially like they're never they're never modernized. Like comics in the last ten years have not had an alt right person. There has not been like like somebody who is an offshoot of like the Proud Boys, right? Or some other like right wing group. It's always like Adolf Hitler's Nazis. So in some ways, it very much like puts it in the past in like a and makes it almost like. Like this world where the Nazis won and kept going, it by bringing that in, it's it's just like it seems almost fantastical. Mm-hmm. Like, like oh, can it's, you believe this is, if this was a thing that still existed? Right. It is. It, it makes it like very, very re- far removed. So a- Adam is correct. I don't know. I I think it's best in period pieces. Like the most recent example of a comic that I read with a legitimate actual Nazi is. Um, Superman smashes the clan, mm-hmm. which takes place right after World War II. And it's okay. like the remnants of the actual Nazis still kind of exist in some ways. Mm-hmm. But it, it also ties them in with, with, with the clan of the fiery cross, which is the KKK mm-hmm. analog. Right. So it, it worked, it, it worked at the period because those were groups that existed at the period. The Ku Klux Klan still exists now, but, mm-hmm. uh, and Nazis still exist now, but they are not literally like, all German, you know? Right. I mean, at any point in history, you can find a, a bigoted group that could be your villains and, uh, but there is so much like of, of like ineffectual, like modern comics do not do well at, at really explicitly calling things out in modern times. They have to, I think rely a lot more upon allegory. Whereas when Captain America was, was created, he punched Hitler in the face, which was like a, a pressing real threat. Yes. Like you will not see a Marvel character punching a real life leader of a hate group in the face in 2020. It's just, it is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is kind of a milk toast thing. That's sad. A little bit. I feel like, I mean, that but, was... but also like in America, if you did that, like, would you be opening yourself up to like a weird lawsuit? I mean, that that's fair. Not, you know, that, that's, that's a fair point. Like, it, it, is it when when does the is it legally away? permissible, really, to well, use someone's likeness that way? I mean, Kathy Gr- Kathy Griffin had that picture of her holding up like a, a representation of like Trump's severed head, and I don't think she ever like went to jail over it or anything. Right. I there was definitely there was consequences for right. her. On she got like didn't get gigs and people mm-hmm. said stuff. But no, it's, uh, I think Adam has a good point. It's weird though. If the Red Skull shows up, I'm like, I, I, like in the Captain America comic, I'm usually pretty good on that, but they've been pretty decent about like, even though he has his roots there, like he's not always literally like doing that spiel. Right. 
a lot of times they have him kind of a dead and that it, it's better sometimes than others, but I don't know. And it, they're like, I said, they're a real shortcut villain. They're just real easy. You put one on, on, on the screen and you know exactly what the whole deal is. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, what's the worst thing? What's the worst human thing we can think of? Like what's the, what's the, the group in, in human history that's like represents evil more than anything else. Like that's probably like one of the first things you think of. Mm-hmm. So it does like seek to go like, well, you can comment on the very worst thing that's ever happened, but we need to also be able to comment on things that are more insidious. Yes. More pervasive. Yeah. More present. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Next questions. Two questions come from at Asimov underscore fangirl. First one. Do you think the children in this evil universe also have beards or big eyebrows? Big eyebrows. Yep. Yep. Definitely the big eyebrows. Uh, you got you got to check out some of the the art readers if you have not read this. It's a lot of eyebrows. <laughs> uh, and second question: Which are your quote favorite evil universe, either in comics or TV movies? I love the mirror universe from Star Trek. Oh, especially in Deep Space Nine. Somehow everybody there is like a lot more. Um, like amorous seeming than in the main universe, like to a cartoonish degree, but it's Star Trek. It's like, it's it's always got a little cheesy. So it's kind of great. That does sound like a lot of fun. I'm trying to think if I have a favorite evil universe. I always think they're kind of fun, but I'm never like, I just like, like major Kira in that universe has like people like who like give her massages all the time. And it's like, Mm. she's got like this like this whole like deal it's it's a lot but it's like so cartoonish <laughs> and you can tell the actress is having like the most fun with it <laughs> um i don't know i like i like our evil universes <laughs> that we've crafted in our own little chris's cold open fiction Re- i like reverse christy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking the most cheap answer I like the one that I made. Yeah. Hey, you made it. You co-made it. You had to bring it to life. That's true. Thank you for for validating my contribution to this podcast. You can't say Quentin Tarantino made the bride, you know? Uh, that's fair. <laughs> A couple questions from at J underscore Partridge 3. Best Brian Braddock costume. Oh, I'm sorry. It's one question. Um, he's just clarifying that it should have been a question. <laughs> What is the best Brian Braddock costume? There are many. Um, I like the one from that's in this, which is also in like Alan Moore's run and a few and like the early Excalibur stuff. Yes. And to clarify, not the Lightning Squad costume that he puts on. Right. Although like, is the Union Jack a whole lot better in terms of Empire? Probably not. I like the, I, I, I like the over the head scheme. Have you seen his original costume though, which had like a face mask and his hair popped out? I don't know. Let me see. Let's he see. had a lion on his chest. Ooh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Instead of the Union Jack? Yes, it was It was a lion instead of the Union Jack. He kind of, it, it was, I think it was supposed to be a little more fanciful. I like that. This is his newest costume as Captain Avalon. Oh, yes. Yeah. I want that. I want this. Oh, th- is this the lion's head one? <gasps> oh, that looks really cool. But it used to cover his whole face. Like only his eyes popped out, and the and the mouth. No, not even the mouth. Oh, because like, the mouth is on here, so this must not be it. It's very similar. Oh, okay. He looks like he's ready for COVID. He's really masked up. Yeah. <laughs> Captain COVID. Nope, nope. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, definitely not. But I like the one with the 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 lion that had the mouth open. That was good. I don't know what that was from. What is this one from? Uh, it's from one of the Excalibur issues from the new run. Oh, yeah. I like it's, this. Oh, you like that one the best? With the mouth. You don't like the mouth covered? Mm-hmm. And I like he's got the, um, I don't know, I should know the costuming name for, I mean, it's not quite a cod piece, but it's the, the bit that hangs to cover the bits. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> Next question comes from at Austin Gordon. Which of these seemingly random Excalibur one shots is the best and which is the worst? And why is it this one? I don't think I've read any of the other ones other than the sword is drawn, which is the, the inciting incident for Excalibur. Mm. And that one is better than this one. This one is not, is not super good. 
Um, Austin, maybe we'll have to get back to you with that one. Right. Obviously, Austin has said that this one is the worst <laughs> of the one shots. Uh, I mean, Austin has blogged about like every X-Men comic on Real Gentleman of Leisure. So I feel like, Austin, we can take your word for that. Probably. Austin probably knows. Um, we have two questions from at Big Dad Energy, first of which asks, you ever wish Excalibur had perchance less Nazis? I kind of do. I kind of do. Mm-hmm. Especially after this. Like, I was very sick of reading about Nazis in comics after this. Like, I was just like, oh, boy, we don't. We're good. Yeah. And, like, classically, I've been like, sweet, let's watch superheroes beat up Nazis. Like, would love it. Fantastic. But even this one, I was like, I don't think these superheroes beat up any Nazis. I no. guess they, I guess they do. They beat up the Reichsmen who are Nazi versions of our friends, of our, of our expats. Would this issue have, would this event have been better if there were more Nazis beaten up? I mean, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been worse. <laughs> more punching, less. My bean. <laughs> less, less bean frying. <laughs> Xavier just put everybody's little beans in a pan and just was cooking it up. Sizzle, sizzle. Pop, pop. Last question from at Big Dad Energy asks, is this really an event? No, but it's kind of a crossover in that things cross over in it. Mm-hmm. Events happened. <laughs> but by that logic, <laughs> any comic is an event. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if a thing happens in it, it's an event. <laughs> like, there was just a a silent issue of Immortal Hulk, where Hulk was in New York and being chased by, by null things, because it's Kane Black, just going on right now. And all he wants to do is go play with toys in the mall. And it's a full story. But that's an event. It's actually pretty great. It doesn't have any words. It's a completely wordless comic. Love this. Love them. Give me more. I mean, not all of them, or it gets kind of get kind of sick of it. Not big on those uh, talking head issues. And it has to be <laughs> done properly. <laughs> Chrissy trying to really discourse me. <laughs> well, we're gonna cease discourse of action and go into accolades. Accolades. All right, Christy, what's the best line in this here comic book? This comic book. So my best line comes from uh, Nightcrawler, and it's when he's got a Banshee or the uh, Reichs Reichsman version of Banshee, and he says, "Don't worry, mein Freund. The cat does not have your tongue. I'm merely taking you for a little ride, after a fashion." I like that. Sometimes Nightcrawler uses his powers to just teleport people a bunch of times and it freaks them out and they pass out. <laughs> right. Like they just can't handle it. This is not the only time he's done it. He does it a lot. It's like he does that and then he'll, sometimes he'll do a thing where he'll like teleport around someone a bunch of times and just kick him in the face a bunch. Right. Mm-hmm. Like bam, 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 bam. It's cool. It is super cool. Um, I feel like you could do some really gnarly stuff with teleporting that he tends to not do. Like, you could teleport someone, like, 30 feet up in the air and then just let him fall. In this issue, he was surprised because he'd been having, like, some problems with, like, getting sick or feeling off after teleporting. Yeah. He and Kitty were still injured from the mutant massacre. Oh. So Kitty had to make a conscious effort to be tangible. And so that's why she had to... She had to kind of swap her thinking, and she's like, oh, in this universe, I have to make a conscious effort to be intangible. That all makes sense, yep. because I've read Mutant Massacre, and I understand now. Yeah, because- You know, putting things in context, really. Like, the both really of them helpful. got real beat up. They did. They yeah. sure did. Okay. Uh, what was your best line? Mine was from Jean Grey, where she just goes, kill. <laughs> I love it. Because that, that was like, yep. <laughs> Uh, who was your greatest hero? Phoenix, like, for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, same. So we got ourselves a daily double. Hit it, Matthew Wilson. Yeah, Rachel did it all, so. <laughs> the other people maybe didn't need to be there. <laughs> they were there to get the, their brains conduited. Uh-huh. But otherwise, yeah, they really didn't need to be there. They went from, like, place to place, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. This comic was like, go to a place, a thing happens, go to a place, a thing happens, go to a place, a thing happens, no character development. Boom. Events happen. <laughs> this is 
an event. Yep. <laughs> what was your coolest moment? Hitler dying, because that's always good. Yeah, that's great. That was great. <laughs> uh, mine was a, a Phoenix Care Bear moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that rainbow. Uh, what was who does your uh, Crusher Creel award for silly silly villainy? Where does that go? Xavier's plan to like fry people and take their psychic energy to make the the best man. That's really silly because I like how's he going to do it? Mm. How does he make a person? Mm-hmm. My my Crusher Creel award for silly villainy went to Hitler becoming a baby and becoming nothing. Becoming like goop. like mm. the fact that that Red Skulls. Uh, invention didn't have any sort of fail safe no he, at he, all he couldn't set it to like 20 he just it has an on and an off and 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 hitler didn't even like stand up or get out of the chair or try to take the wires off he was nope. just like oh hey should we stop this oh i'm getting real young guess i'll sit here goo goo gaga now i'm gone the fact that Goo Goo Gaga were words that- Goo Goo Gaga is literally words from baby Hitler in this comic. <laughs> it is, it's too much. What about your key of C award? What moment from this comic would be most enhanced by a musical number? This one was hard, but I thought the, the ending could have a fun overture where everybody could sing about what happened because that's basically what they had to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how in the in Shakespeare, the chorus comes out and tells you what happened? Yeah, yeah. That could have been good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought the encounter between Excalibur and the Reichsman uh, could have had, like, a fun musical number, which could have given us more, like, information about the Reichsman and, like, differentiated them more from the X-Men. Right, because as opposed to just the we're the evil versions... Mm-hmm. Uh, Havoc's weird little weird little helmet is turned into lightning bolts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Storm's got all that strange scarring on her face. I do not know. Right. Uh, like, I'm they like, don't explain there it. we go. We could have had a nice musical number. They to- all just leave. Where <laughs> <laughs> was like, well, you beat on them for a while. All right, go away. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, lady. So, r- readers, we now... Oh, wait. Yeah. We have two new accolades. We have two new accolades. The first one suggested by Jason Large, who suggested this crossover, is the I Will Go Down With This Ship Award, which is for characters who you ship the most in this story. Mm-hmm. And the second one is the Good Hit Award for the goodest hit in the issue. The goodest. The goodest. So my award for I Will Go Down With This Ship is Kitty Rachel, because there, A, there's like no, there's like nothing. There's like nothing in this comic to sh- to ship, but Kitty and Rachel do mention their bond. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Kitty and Rachel have had some subtext in a lot of Excalibur, but there is also a depending on how you see it, a bit of a weird age gap between the two of them. It's and we clear- will acknowledge that in this moment, but mm-hmm. also say this is still the best ship in this comic. <laughs> yeah, and it can maybe just be a fun friendship. Mm-hmm. But uh- I, I want to I want to say that with acknowledging that I recognize that there is a ton of lesbian subtext between the two of them. Yes, in lots of stories, not just this one. In fact, way more than is than is, what is, is in this one. one. <laughs> Uh, but if that wasn't clear, readers, this is this is a daily double as well. Matt D. Wilson for the second time. What's it, what's your good hit award? Uh, the good hit. Okay, just because it's really cool and I like the idea of it. I, it it's Kitty putting her hand in Charles's head. Oh yeah, that's gnarly. Yeah, I'm like I I know it gets sort of sort of foiled, um, but just. That line, uh, think again and try doing it with my hand solidifying right inside your brain. I mean, it's so brutal. It's great. Yeah, Kitty Pride <laughs> never does does brutal things like this. She is always a sweetheart. It's really an exceptionally brutal moment. Yeah, which never happens again. <laughs> my good hit award comes to Captain Britain. Hit like just clobbering havoc with like one punch after he's been like, and he's like, This is cool, this is fine. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let him do this. And then he's just like, Pow, that's right, it. done. Bye bye, havoc. You, you poor little boy. 
The goodest of the hits. Speaking of Havoc, where's Baby Havoc in Kareenex comics? Don't ask me that. I need to know. Why would I know? You need to find out. Okay. All right, readers, that's going to do it for Weird War 3. And I do know what we're covering next week, so I can I can tell you. We can tell you. Mm-hmm. No, two weeks. Two weeks. We are, we are a bi-weekly mm-hmm. comics podcast. Yep. Since both of us are bi. Hey! It is going to be Justice League slash Black Hammer, which is a five-issue mini where the Justice League crosses over with the Dark Horse series Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire and crew. It's gonna be it's gonna be a bit different, dear. I am buckled. Okay. Well, <laughs> readers, thanks for joining us in this weird War Three uh, extravaganza. We are always thrilled to have you here. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter and Facebook at Chris's Pod. Mm-hmm. And also, you may start to notice as well that with the de- debut, the transition from. Xavier Files to Comics X Fans CXF. Mm-hmm. You can find Chris's over there as well. Yep, we are joining that podcast network with other such great podcasts as Battle of the Atom and WMQA. Mm-hmm. So you can find us over there. Um, and you can also send us longer form messages to Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. Please check out our Kofi and Patreon pages in the show notes where you can donate to us monetarily and get all sorts of cool goodies for doing so. We appreciate all of your support, but if you cannot support us monetarily, you can give us those five-star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We love to shout out those five-star reviews on the show. We haven't gotten to do it in a bit. Give us whatever you say in your review. We're going to, as long as it's a five-star review, we're going to, we're going to shout it out on the show. Yeah. You can ask us a a fun question. We'll just, we'll just have to say it. Yep. We might not answer it, but we will say the question. (laughs) All right. Well, readers, again, thank you for joining us in Excalibur, Weird War 3. And until next time, slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.